today on Real Radio. God saves to the uttermost. Listen, as Christians, we do good works and we ought to do good works and we're even commanded to do good works. Why? Because we are saved. We get to. God does this. Welcome to Real Radio with Pastor Jack Hibbs. I'm David J. thanking you for joining us today as we listen, learn, and are challenged by God's Word, the Bible. On today's edition of Real Radio, Pastor Jack now continues his series called The First Epistle of Peter with a message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1. The Apostle Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus who later on became the leader of the early church. His story is ancient, but really no different than what's happening today. We are still in need of a Savior, and Christ followers still need Peter's heartfelt words of compassion and encouragement. It's why the greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever is not meant to be a mystery. It's about our salvation, the salvation that comes from God that has no rival. There is no other way to be saved from sin and death. It's His power alone that rescues you and me, and it's through His grace and infinite love that He offers it to us freely. The Lord wants us to be with Him forever, but it's up to us to choose where indeed we will spend eternity. So today on day two of this message, Pastor Jack goes on to say that even the first five books of the Bible are about salvation and redemption. All Scripture was inspired by God, and His desire to save us is uniquely found in His Word. And now in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1, here's pastor and Bible teacher Jack Hibbs. If today you claim to be a Christian, but you're stuck in these sins, and you know they're sins, no matter what book you read, no matter what liberal pastor or book you might be exposed to, you know down inside it's sin to be a Christian and live with your girlfriend or boyfriend in sex. Look, if, if, if you're Christians and you're passionate with one another, then listen, get married. The Bible says get married. Well, I had somebody tell me, look, I wrote it down. I can get high because it makes me feel better. And sometimes I think I understand the Bible better. How do you know? Because I'm really in tune with the things of the spirit when I'm high. How do you know you're high? How do you know? Do you understand the justification of this? Just tear Romans right out of your Bible because Paul was clearly wrong. Listen, salvation sets us free from the bondage and the power and the control of sin. We're all tempted and we all give in to sin from time to time. The Christian doesn't want to. The Christian fights it. The Christian trips and falls, but the Bible says the Christian gets up and walks again with Christ. That's what we do. The Holy Spirit does that with us. But to live in sin is to not know anything about the saving power of God, which brings us to this. The greatest teaching on Bible prophecy ever is found in verse 10, and it's this, is what God has said about salvation. Write that down if you would. The greatest teaching on Bible prophecy is the fact of what God says about salvation. First of all, we see that his salvation is a forethought. It's preceding. When I say that, look at verse 10. It says, of this salvation, referring back to verse 9, of this salvation the prophets have inquired. Now he's speaking about the Old Testament prophets. You can write that in your margins. 
of your Bible. It will help you in future study. The, the salvation doctrine of the Bible was exposed to the prophets first. And the Bible tells us that they have inquired. This is amazing. Watch this, people. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit came upon the Old Testament prophets. And they spoke under the power and the possession of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us, we'll study it more later, that even as they spoke the word of God, which you have in your lap, by the way, it's called the Old Testament. They spoke that by the power of God, and it's written down and preserved by God throughout all the ages. And the Bible tells us they spoke these things under the influence or power of the Holy Spirit. And they often did that not knowing what it was that they were speaking. They didn't understand it. There's no, listen, I don't know how to stress this enough. If I could stand in my head to get the point across, I would. There is no more lofty calling in the Bible, in humanity, than to be a prophet of God. They spoke under the possession of the Holy Spirit. They spoke out into the future. And listen, they were often marginalized, ridiculed, mocked. Some of them killed. Jeremiah, among others, were imprisoned because what they had to say was hard to receive, and many rejected it. But the Bible says the prophets spoke on salvation, and they inquired of it. They searched for it. It's a remarkable thing. In your highlighter of your Bible or your pen, you want to circle three very important words. Of this salvation. This is what's known as an exclusionary statement, meaning that all, listen, all other ideas, all other doctrines... All other beliefs regarding any other salvation offered are inadequate, incapable, insufficient, and in a word, unable. You say, what? Those three words that we see in the English come from a Greek declaration and it's rooted in a Hebrew word of this salvation. Notice it's not a salvation. Am I yelling at you guys? I am so excited about this because I'm sorry. I have to pace myself. I still have services yet to teach. I have to calm down. Of, of this salvation. <laughs> of this salvation. This exclusive, one of a kind, unable to be reproduced. Anything offered other than it is wholly inadequate, incapable, unable to save you. The salvation revealed in the Bible absolutely saves. Saves by the power of God at the expense of Christ. Saves you fully. Amen. Oh, pastor, can I lose my salvation? Not if you have it. Just make sure you have it. Amen. But once you have it, my dear friend, I like to look at... Christians saved people like they're galvanized. And I don't like to limit it. Galvanized in titanium, plutonium, a gold, platinum, silver. I don't care what it is. You're wrapped in the power of God's salvation and nothing or no one or no demon of hell, no angel of heaven can snatch that salvation away from you. Just make sure you're saved. Just make sure you're trusting in Jesus and not yourself. Of this salvation... Of this great salvation, it excludes all the cults. In one incredible stroke, the cults are found to be inadequate. Judaism, work your way to heaven. 
Impress God, do your good works. Wrong, says the Bible. Islam, do your good works, pray five times a day, fast, do all these things, and then maybe Allah of the Quran will accept you. Wrong. The God of Mormonism, sweet people, messed up doctrine. Meet all the standards, get the boxes checked, do all these things, get all of your happy faces in, in all of the achievements, and then, wrong, Jehovah Witnesses, wrong. You say, what gives you the right to say that? I don't personally have any right to say that. I'm just regurgitating the Bible. Jesus Christ is your salvation, and to add anything to him is to insult him. He alone is able and worthy to save. He's fully adequate. And the gospel is all sufficient. It is Christ in him alone. The Bible says in Galatians chapter one, verse three, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for some of our sins. Say it, say it again, all. That he might deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God and Father, oh my goodness, the will of God wants you to be in heaven. Verse five, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Verse six, listen to what Paul says to the church in Galatia. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you into the grace of Christ to a different gospel or another gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we... I like how Paul includes himself. Paul is basically saying, if I go dumb, if I get stupid, if I depart from the truth, or if I get a brain tumor, or if I mess up, include me in this list of bad guys, or an angel from heaven, I don't care if it's Gabriel or Moroni, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be anathema, let him be accursed, let him be damned. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let them be or let him be condemned or damned. Bible. Here's the amazing thing about that. Galatians chapter one, that was in print and in circulation at the birth of the cults. It was already there. In the deserts of Arabia, Muhammad had access to Galatians 1. Did you know that? Rejected it. Again, Judaism says that you can get to heaven by good works. Rejected the truth of God's word right here. All the cults. Listen, be careful. You're not in a so-called Christian cult. You say, what in the world is that? To claim you're a Christian, to claim that you believe Jesus died on the cross for all of your sins, and then to turn right around and try to impress God with your good works and think that you can elevate your standing before God by your performance. God saves to the uttermost. Listen, as Christians, we do good works and we ought to do good works and we're even commanded to do good works. Why? Because we are saved. We get to. God does this. He says that the prophets have inquired you say, well, wait a minute. How in the world did the prophets of the Old Testament inquire of the scriptures? What did they have to read when they, when they were the, many of them authors of the scriptures? And that would be a good question. I knew that was your question, so I put it in my notes. It's a good question. Well, who did the prophets study? 
Well, actually, two things. Number one, the printed word they had. Say, so, well, how was that? Ah, the original prophet. Do you know who the original prophet is? According to Jesus, the original prophet among men was a guy by the name of Moses. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible, guess what? Are all about salvation and redemption. Did you know that? You see, it's awful bloody. I've read that. It's very bloody. Yes, it is. The whole thing was to prepare you the heirs of salvation to understand that without the remission of blood or without the, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God through the Old Testament was promising that he would bring forth the Lamb of God, but until then, God put forth the fact that Israel had to offer up a lamb to prepare them for the future. But Moses was the first one to preach God's word, and then the prophets had Moses, and then they had the word that God gave them in their prophecies. As I mentioned, Isaiah or Ezekiel or Jonah, these are all prophets. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones points out that, quote, from one poignant and powerful verse, the entire word of God would be revealed in support of the doctrine of God that is known as soteriology, the salvation doctrine of God's infinite love. When that verse in Genesis was uttered, God was saying to Adam and Eve, I'm going to save you. And from Eve would come the savior of the world. The prophets have inquired and Moses wrote of it. Look ahead, by the way, in 1 Peter chapter 1 to verse 20 and 21. The Bible there says, knowing this first, that means keep this in the forefront of your thinking, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. I love that. For prophecy never came by the will of man. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved, possessed, inspired by the Holy Spirit. This is what's great. If you're a skeptic in the house, if you're a skeptic watching right now, listen to this. You could read Nostradamus, and what do the experts say? Which Now, these are the experts that are pro-Nostradamus. Do you know who I'm talking about, Nostradamus? The famous uh, secular prophet of ancient times, that Nostradamus was a great prophet. I think people who support him the most say that he's about 74% accurate on his prophecies. If you've ever studied Nostradamus, his prophecies, you've got to go through a mental gymnastics to try to get them to fit. But let's give him the 74%. Let's just give it to them. Who are some of the other prophets that you might, that come to your mind? Uh, Jean Dixon, is she a prophet? Remember her? How many of you remember Jean Dixon when we were growing up? Every year she prophesied that we'd meet, finally, again, Elvis Presley. He'd be coming back from the dead, and she missed every time. She would say this, that, and the other. She'd miss every time. What does the Bible call people who say things in the name of a prophet and it doesn't happen? What does the Bible say? That they're false prophets. Did you know that you can criticize the Bible all you want, but we all welcome you to find a false prophecy in the Bible? Why do you think the Hebrew prophets of God's word stand firm today? Because they've never been wrong. It's impossible for a man to always be right. All the women should have said, amen. <laughs> I just lost all the men in the audience now. You get a human involved in something and it's going to get messed up. Human error, we call it. 
God inspired humans and authored the Bible and it's without error and that to me is a greater testimony. God could have just dropped the Bible down from heaven from a cloud. He could have, but he used people. And that argument is amazing because the Bible, as we are in the 21st century, still remains without error. The Bible. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. What a tremendous truth. So the word inquired here is the word that when the prophets inquired, imagine them, they heard from God, they spoke to Israel, and the word means that after they spoke, they began to dig. And the word implies, by the way, a lifelong pursuit to find out what it meant. Can you imagine, can you imagine you know you know the Spirit of God is upon you and you say something that as you're saying it, you're hearing it for the first time. It wasn't even in your head. Isaiah didn't write stuff down and rewrite it and then, I don't know, throw that, that scroll away and then write, ah, that's, he didn't do that. He spoke and or he wrote originally one time, that's it. And when they spoke, they knew God was upon them. And as they're speaking, they're learning. And as they speak and as they spoke, they would revisit. That's what the word inquire means. Listen, I'll give it to you exactly. The word means to seek out and to bring out or to bring forth again, to make all effort to find out. It means to search and to search again. It means to comb over the evidence looking for clues. If you're in law enforcement or if you're a, a pathologist, you know exactly that. I'm inquiring of this body to tell me something as to how they were murdered. Or I'm, in, I'm inquiring this situation of the crime scene to find out how it came about. We need to find a motive. We need to find a weapon. We, are you with me? And the Christian is to do the same today. But the prophets of God, they spoke and then they spent their life combing over the evidence of what? Previous prophets like Micah that were before them, like Moses that were before them. And they were trying to put the pieces together to put a understanding to the revelation of God's word. And they just did that constantly. I tell you, you can study this later, but the studies and the books and the material you can read about as to how you got your Bible and how did those Hebrew scholars handle the word of God would impress you immensely. Did you know that every time they came to the name of God in the Bible, now you think of some of the Psalms, that in one verse, his name will be mentioned three times. Did you know they had to take they had to take the pen that they were writing with, the psalmist, and when they would take the words of the psalmist to make copies, they would write the word of God, they would destroy the pen, they would take a shower, take a bath, put on new clothes, and then write the next line. And until they came to the name of God again, they would destroy the pen, take a shower, put on new clothes, and they would do that because they believed that the name of God was so pure and holy that you were not to be defiled in handling it. And that the word of God that was that worthy and accurate. And you know what? You see, well, that's ridiculous. You may think so. I understand that. And I couldn't have done that, nor would I want to have done that. But did you know that when manuscripts were discovered of ancient times, they would compare them from centuries apart and they were dead on perfect. Even up to the point of the most recent discoveries of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Perfect to the book of Isaiah and to Psalms. And to, are you with me? To the prophets. 
Your Bible can be trusted. And your Bible is all about salvation. And the prophets scoured the word of God trying to understand it. It's remarkable. It's awesome. But Jesus spoke about in John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. Jesus said to the Pharisees, who were the students of the Bible, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which do testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me, said Jesus. That's scary, people. You can be a theologian. You can quote Bible uh, left and right, up and down. But if you don't have Christ in you, you're simply an educated person. But according to the Bible, it claims that the very concept in redemption and salvation is uniquely of the Bible. The second thing we see in verse 10 is this. We may only get as far as verse 10 today. The greatest teaching on the Bible prophecy ever is what God has said about salvation this way. His salvation is a knowable. And I love this. Salvation is a knowable. You can know your salvation. Now, friends, listen. Let's just pretend for a moment we're not in, in this building because, you know, there's a sense of protocol when you're in a building like this. It's Sunday. You don't normally wear clothes like this on Saturday. Or, or maybe you do. I don't, I don't wear clothes like I wear a T-shirt and flip-flops and, and board shorts or something, okay? So, but here, it's a Sunday. We've come to, wor- we've come to worship God. And, and yes, but can we just forget all about that for a second? Can we think of this for a moment? That if you have not experienced the salvation of God, that should trouble you greatly. You should experience his salvation. So what do you mean? Well, first of all, and I don't have the verse, it's not gonna be on the screen, it's in the head. First John tells us, these things have been written unto you that you might know that you possess, own, have eternal life. This doesn't mean we do not struggle with doubt. Every human being, part of our nature struggles with doubt, but we don't live in doubt. We struggle with it. And how do we kill it? We pick up the Word of God, the Bible's the only thing that fixes doubt. Pastor and Bible teacher, Jack Hibbs. Here on Real Radio, in his message called The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope that how much the Lord loves you is evident through the words of Peter and in the inspiring message of hope found in God's prophetic word. The Greatest Teaching on Bible Prophecy Ever, Part 1, is part of Pastor Jack's series called The First Epistle of Peter. It's a series that takes us through the life and times of the Apostle Peter, whose love for Jesus Christ carried him through great persecution and whose compassion for others still inspires us today. And we'll continue on the next edition of Real Radio. Hey, if you'd like to know more about what God says about salvation and the many prophets and teachers in the Bible, including Peter, who spoke about the grace of God, check out Pastor Jack on YouTube. His YouTube channel is called Real Life with Jack Hibbs. And we want to invite you to join the thousands of subscribers who are taking advantage of the hundreds of videos that can help you through this journey called the Christian life. You know, at this point in our history, we can all use some inspiration. It's hard to be discerning about what's being said on the news and on social media. But Pastor Jack knows that the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth found in Scripture is our strength and our source. 
You can access those great videos on YouTube or through our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. Hey, we've got a special offer for you. The Life and Bible series is now available on an MP3 CD. And for a gift of any amount, you'll get 17 complete audio messages along with Pastor Jack's sermon notes all on one disc. Yeah, you'll get the notes too. Just go to our website, reallifewithjackhibbs.org, and take advantage of this great offer on the Life and Bible series. And remember, it's yours for a gift of any amount at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. And if you need to get a hold of us, call us, 877-RR-RADIO. That's 877-777-2346. This program is made possible by the generous contributions of you, our listeners. Visit us at reallifewithjackhibbs.org. That's reallifewithjackhibbs.org. I'm David J. Until next time, Pastor Jack Hibbs and all of us here at Real Radio wish for you solid and steady growth in Christ and in His Word. We'll see you next time here on Real Radio.